everybody. What's going on, people? Welcome to another edition of the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. We got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about the thing that gives us all life and may give us all death. <laughs> We're talking about water, baby. Specifically, we're talking about two big water crises, one that's happening right here in the United States, um, and it's still happening. And actually, we have a very, very special guest joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, this one is going to be a treat. We have with us today a real-life doctor, a real doctor with a real doctor degree who will be joining us today to talk about uh, some of the issues that are coming from or that could potentially arise from the uh, the water crisis happening in Mississippi. You may know her from her very good, very well-known podcast, Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. Please give it up for Dr. No-No. Yay! Hey, guys. Glad to be here. We had a really good talk for you today, and I'm excited to share my knowledge with you all. So let's go. Yeah. How's the sound, everybody? Sound good? Give a thumbs up if the sound is good and everything. We're trying a new setup. Okay, there's one thumbs up. Okay, good. Awesome. Well, then, how about we get started? Dr. Nona, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your background? Yeah, of course. So I trained um, from the Midwest. I uh, trained at um, Rush Medical College, and then went on to do my uh, family medicine residency at Cook County. Um, stayed on as a hospitalist physician um, here in the city. Um, what I do in hospital medicine is if you ever get admitted to the hospital, then I would be essentially be taking care of you, and we coordinate everything for you while you're in the hospital. So that's pretty much where my um, base of knowledge comes from. And uh, our talks about, you know, the water exposures that you know can come with untreated water definitely fall within that realm okay great well let's let's talk a little bit about that untreated water in particular so for those of you who who don't know um there's been a, a crisis happening in jackson mississippi for the past week on august 30th uh jackson mississippi is mississippi's capital and uh home to more than 150,000 people and since august 30th uh, due to flooding in the area, uh, they have been without drinkable water. So the flooding ended up destroying some of their uh, water cleaning and water treatment infrastructure. And since that time, they have been without drinkable water. Uh, they've had a lot of issues with uh, distributing bottled water and devising a plan to restore the service. Uh, and it's it's been a full-on crisis. Uh now, the water was declared unsafe to drink, and it has remained so since then. And as of yesterday, September 5th, uh, it was announced or it was, it was announced that the uh, water pressure had been restored in Jackson, but uh, it has not yet been deemed safe to drink as of the time of this podcast. Uh, 
again, this is a problem that's happening all over the U.S., even though right now it's happening specifically in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, there's a lot of aging infrastructure and a lot of underinvestment in America's infrastructure. And it's left, it's left many U.S. cities without uh, water systems. Uh, Flint, Michigan being one of them. Uh, just a couple of months back or earlier on this summer, uh, there were a couple of other similar situations that happened. Um, earlier this summer in Kentucky, in Eastern Kentucky, uh, due to flooding, again, more than 25,000 people lost their water and they were uh, without water for some weeks. And then, of course, the utility companies across Texas, which have been coping with uh, hundreds of water main breaks, uh, record highs in the amount of water main breaks that are happening in Texas. And then, of course, this is right after the, the bitter winter storm that plunged Texas into uh, a freezing hellhole in February of 2021. So, uh, and that was caused by pipes bursting. Uh, and there's a lot going on. I mean, we can, we can probably get into Pakistan in a bit, too. Um, Pakistan is dealing with floods like it's never seen uh, before. Uh, the worst floods it's had in uh, at least this century. And it's left more than 33 million people displaced. Uh, at one point, satellite imagery from the European Space Agency or the European Space Station, I forget exactly which, uh, but satellite imagery of Pakistan showed at one point one third of the entire country underwater. So it's insane, right? The, the effects of climate change are here with them right now. The consequences are crazy. And what is the solution to all of this fallout, to this aging infrastructure, to this lack of investment in America's cities, to this climate catastrophe? Well, right now, the mayor of Mississippi, or I'm sorry, not the mayor of Mississippi, but the governor of the state of Mississippi, is calling for uh, potentially privatization. Yay! Because obviously we know that privatization really worked to solve the Flint water crisis. And for those of you who don't know about the Flint water crisis, I suggest you look into um, Jordan Cheriton's reporting on that crisis. He has extensive history of reporting on that crisis. And that crisis in large part was caused by uh, privatization efforts, which were being done for the city of Flint, Michigan. So uh, that's a little bit of the political background, a little bit of the, uh, you know, kind of where we're at right now. Uh, the last thing I would say is that this was all avoidable, Dr. No-No, uh, very much avoidable. Uh, the, the city of, or it's either, I think the state actually of Mississippi has 2.5 million, I'm sorry, $2.5 billion worth of, uh, funds for COVID relief that are just sitting around. Uh, there have been multiple attempts by the mayor of Jackson to, uh, get funding for some of the aged infrastructure there. Uh, estimates are that retreating the water or, or updating the water plant and, and the infrastructure there would cost about $1 billion. So they kind of have the money sitting there, but every time that money has been earmarked for use in Jackson, Mississippi, for this and similar purposes, uh, the Republican governors of the state have actually vetoed it. Why? I don't know. Um, but, you know, Jackson is... 80% black. Uh, and I'm not sure about this for sure, doctor, but correct me if I'm wrong, but is it true that black people don't need water to live? 
I mean, obviously, we just like breathe air through our skin. Right. I mean, that's that's usually how it works. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. Yeah, yeah we're like fine. that episode of SpongeBob where he tries not to drink water <laughs> to impress Sandy Cheeks. Yes. You know, that's <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. But okay, but but uh, so now they're under a boil water order, and apparently. Jackson, Mississippi, and the surrounding area has been under a boil water order since July. So this is even before the flooding. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you've yeah. done some research or some some investigation yeah. into the water issues okay. going on there, right? Yes. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, Dr. Nodo, about the uh, some of the risks that are being posed by this water crisis, um, what the effects of drinking this untreated water or exposure to this untreated water can be, and why, even though it's been happening for a week, which is a long, look, you can die after a couple of days without water. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us why this is especially bad, even though some people may say, well, it's only been a week and they have bottled water, they should be okay. Why don't, why don't you give us some of the, the, the lowdown yeah. on the meds? Well, I mean, the thing is, you, I, I just want to kind of hit home the point. So this is not a new issue for Jackson. Like they have been under like multiple uh, boil water advisories actually since last year. Um, when, you know, they also had a really bad winter storm during that time, and that actually caused a backup in their water supply for that time. And since then, they've been going through intermittent boil water advisories um, that have been very much not, not not necessary had they addressed their infrastructure issue, you know, years before. Um, but definitely the, so the issue with uh, drinking or being exposed to untreated water, it's, it's multiple factors that kind of come into play. So, you know, from lead poisoning, which was a big issue with Flint, to being exposed to human sewage, which is, you know, what your water treatment plants are supposed to filter out and detect. Right. There are lots of different health effects that can occur from being exposed to like heavy metals, corrosive materials or, you know, microbes that have, you know, increased in a large amount that when consumed can cause, you know, really bad disease. And what kind of diseases can can be caused by consuming either untreated water or uh, water, I guess, poo water is the, <laughs> is another way, you know, poop water. Yes. And also, you know, this water that has this, these heavy metals and the like, beside, um, and I know you mentioned uh, like the lead that could be in the water too, mm-hmm. right? And I think most of us are somewhat familiar at least with the kind of developmental disabilities that can arise due to lead-laced water, right. uh, even in small exposures to, to uh, leaded water. Right, right. Um, but why don't you tell us about some of these uh, other health issues that can arise? Right. So if you kind of, so for me, I had to organize this in my head. So there's different contaminants that are, that you can be exposed to in water. Most of the time, these levels are in a low enough amount where it's still safe for human consumption. But when you have external or exogenous factors from the environment, you know, climate change is one or human factors like, you know, companies dumping their wastewater into the, um, the, uh, filtered water that we drink every day, that's when you start getting into trouble. So usually that's, we think about chemical contaminants. So that includes like heavy metals, you know, bleach, pesticides and toxins that again can be either naturally occurring or most of the times are usually man-made. Um, so if you guys, I'm sure you guys are all movie buffs in here. If you can remember Erin Brockovich and her um, work that she did when she exposed PG&E for, um, uh, exposing the hexavalent chromium, um, and that caused really super high levels of cancer among the residents in those, that area. 
So that was a long-term exposure that those people had to that contaminant. But if you have a large amount that's, you know, ex that you're exposed to over a short amount of time, then, you know, you can have those effects can be multiplied exponentially very quickly. Okay. So love the Aaron Brockovich reference there too. Um, but I assume that even Aaron Brockovich won't be able to get us out of this one. No, you need a team of Aaron Brockoviches for this one. A bunch of Aaron Brockoviches? <laughs> you know what? They should have a team just called the Aaron Brockoviches. Hey. Just like a whole squad. Yes, you know? I love it. I'm sorry. My dumb bitch. Please, doctor. <laughs> just please continue. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so another contaminant that we you know, categorize are biological. So this is where you see organisms in the water that we refer to as microbes. So microbes can be anything, including bacteria, viruses, and parasites. So if you guys can remember, you know, the cases of, remember that brain-eating amoeba that was found in the Texas water a couple years back? No, what the fuck? A brain-eating amoeba? Yeah, you never heard of that? Why is it eating brain? Because uh, that's what it eats. <laughs> Why? Is it just a dick? I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Oh my god! A brain okay. eating duck. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please continue. Sorry, that just threw me for a loop. I didn't even know that existed. That it's, is you, terrifying. You learn shit on this really interesting stuff in med school. But this, this specific, this is the most extreme case. Um, but that bacteria or the parasite is called Nigeria fowleri, and that's usually it can cause when we say it's a brain eating amoeba. It's it's kind of a misnomer because it can cause a disease called meningitis, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. So that's usually the fever, the nausea, the vomiting. And when we ask you about your stiff neck and headaches, then that would be a problem. But the issue with this is that most people, when they get this disease, they die within a week. Within so, a week? Within a week, yes. Jeez. So it's very, very serious. And there have been a couple of cases predominantly around um, within Texas, you know, when people are exposed to those watering holes and they get in there they you know ingest some of the water sure and that um the follower really is within that um that water supply then this is where you know that happens so it can really be a small when you say you know when you're mentioning these these watering holes down in texas these are people maybe swimming or just being around the water and yes. a little bit of the water gets into their mouths yeah so they're not even trying to consume this water no. it just it's just that small exposure yes is enough to potentially give them a brain eating amoeba. Right. So, and you know, it could be lights out within a week. Yeah. So it can be small exposure. It can also, it also depends on how much of that bacteria or parasite is present within the water. So mm -hmm. if you have a very small watering hole, but a very high concentration of that, you know, bacteria or parasite, then you're more likely to get it just by, you know, you know, just by the odds. Like that's, that's usually what we're looking for when we, when we say that. But that that is, a, you know, rare case, you know, things being common and what we're seeing with, you know, the Flint and with Jackson is that I believe in Jackson, they had um, when they tested the water, it had very high levels of E. coli. So E. coli is actually very common. And that is something that we see all the time in medicine. Um, so typically with this, you know, when you get like uh, E. coli, they can either be the bacteria itself or the toxins that it produced that will kind of hang out in the water. So usually what we see from this are GI effects, so gastrointestinal effects like nausea, you know, vomiting, stomach pain, you know, really, really profuse diarrhea, which is the biggest issue because when you lose a lot of water in your diarrhea, you become very dehydrated very quickly. And even if you're drinking, you're pounding down the 
gallons and gallons of water, if you're shitting your pants for nonstop, you know, all day, then you're not going to be able to replace that water quickly enough. Well, especially if you don't have access to water, to exactly. clean drinking water. And if the water itself is what's actually dehydrating you from the E. coli, that's kind of your, you know, up shit's creek without a paddle. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah, I guess yes. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Dark humor. But yeah. So that's essentially what we're saying. So when you see cases that have severe, we see the severe dehydration that you're coming into the hospital with. And usually we put them on IV fluids. And if the bacteria itself, um, that's not E. coli is one of them, but there's also salmonella, um, which can cause uh, typhoid. Um, that's enteric fever and also cholera. Um, but those are typically seen in places with poor sanitation, mm. usually not very common in the U.S. But honestly, with everything that's been failing now, you know, it may be a matter of time before that makes a resurgence. Well, right. And when the water treatment plan itself is not functioning, then it allows those kinds of uh, bacteria to, to fester and actually grow. Right. Exactly. It's, right. it's a water treatment process that gets rid of a lot of these things that we don't actually have to worry about. The right. reason we don't worry about it in the U.S. is not because... We have some kind of like special, super like, I don't know, Christian water or something, right? <laughs> yeah. It's because we have the treatment facilities to actually get rid of these things, to get exactly. rid of this bacteria. So with that gone in Mississippi right now, in Jackson, then it's fair, like it's open season. Exactly. Exactly. All of that stuff can start appearing in the water and start affecting people's lives very quickly. Right. Right. So usually, you know, like I said, this can cause severe dehydration. And with that... Um, your kidneys are kind of like, you can think of it as your water treatment plant for your body. So when your kidneys are dehydrated, you know, they're not getting that, that uh, fluid or that blood supply that they need. You know, we see a lot of these people coming in. They've, again, been shitting their pants for like days on end. You know, these people can actually come in in what we call fulminant renal failure. Um, that's when your kidneys actually start to shut down. And that would be, you know, that opens up a slew of other issues that you would need to be treated for in the hospital. Sure. So that that was kind of highlight for like the, you know, the E. coli bacteria, the microbes that you can get in the water. Now, doctor, I, there's there's been this boil water order in place in, in Jackson, Mississippi for at, at least this past week, maybe longer, mm -hmm. um, on and off at times. But uh, is there, I, I've seen some of the pictures of, of the water. And, you know, I think there was something trending on, on Twitter where the water was just black. Someone oh. filled up their bathtub yeah. and it's just, it looks like it's tar. Yep. Um, is, to what extent can boiling this water um, get rid of some of these materials? Is it, can it make the water safe to drink? I assume it makes it safer, but um, I'm not a doctor. So, so it, it makes it so we have we tell you to boil water to kill the microbes that are present within the water. If that water also has, you know, high levels of uh, chemicals, which is the other contaminant that we'll, we'll talk about, then, you know, boiling your water may not get rid of all those chemicals that are present. And that can still pose a risk. So you can still get what we call uh, chemical exposure from high levels of those chemicals within the water. And that can cause caustic damage to your skin. So, you know, they're, I'm sure within the same uh, circles of, you know, people, the water coming out is like brackish or, you know, black. I saw that picture too. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I am even touching that water. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I, you guys shouldn't either, yeah. but um, 
that can actually cause chemical damage like skin discoloration. Um, and it can also um, lead allergic reactions to people who are very sensitive to that. Well, one, one thing that I, I find really scary about this entire crisis is honestly that you have, look, they're, they're trying to get the treatment plant back up. But in the meantime, you have to distribute these clean sort of bottled waters or whatever to people. But that distribution, I mean, Mississippi, I don't know how many people are really familiar with Mississippi here, but there are a lot of people who are just near the Jackson area who don't really have access to vehicles like that, who there's not like a set delivery service that's been going on to, um, you know, deliver this water to people. I've seen videos of people having to pull up to parking lots to a truck. So you have to have access to a car or something to even go and get this water and then drive home. I mean... You, there are going to be people, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that, look, to the extent that they're distributing water, that's good. But there are going to be people who aren't going to be able to get to that distributed water. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have pretty much no choice but to boil water and to actually expose themselves to some of these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were talking with one of your friends who is also a doctor earlier before mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. And she's got family in that area mm-hmm. who she's been trying to contact very old elderly family mm-hmm. and she's been trying to contact them and hasn't been able to get in touch with them. Yeah. And this is someone who is 101 years old, which is insane. God bless. God yeah. bless him. <laughs> but like, this is someone who, you know, who is over there delivering the water? Yeah. Who is, who is helping them? But I, I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt your flow, but you you also mentioned chemicals as, yes. as another potential contaminant that's happening here. Yes. And chemical contaminants are something that we see a lot in cities and places where there's not a water treatment plant that can actually treat some of the water that would be treated with, uh, you know, chemicals and the like. So why don't you tell us about some of the, the risks and the, the problems with um, some of these chemicals that could be appearing in the water in, in Mississippi? Right. So, I mean... Like I said, you know, chemicals, it all, it really depends on the type of chemical that you're exposed to. But the the health implications of being exposed to anything like uh, heavy metals. So when we when I think heavy metal, I automatically think lead because, you know, coming from Michigan, you know, the Flint crisis hit pretty much very close to home. So, you know, I'll just kind of go over, you know, lead exposure um, as a as a side note to that. So naturally, you know, we all humans, you know, as you know, many of the chemical elements we actually have stored within our bodies. And that is released over you know, a certain amount of time, very slowly, but it doesn't cause any major damage. You know, As we age, lead is stored in our bones, in our tissues, in our blood. Um, but over age, you know, that, that our bones demineralize and that lead is kind of released into our system very, very slowly. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's a natural process, that's normal. The issue with um, getting large exposures of this heavy metal all at once, you know, that can lead, that's what leads to the most serious issues. So again, the, the theme of a lot of these exposures to like chemicals, the microbes, the biological agent agents are GI issues. So again, you're going to see abdominal pain with more of heavy metals. It's going to be like constipation and lead is also notorious for causing a lot of neurological issues. So, like headaches, you know, people come in really irritable. Um, and also you can get some memory loss and what we call neuropathy. So that's where you get like numbness and tingling 
you know, like in your hands or your feet. And that can be, that can definitely be due to heavy metal, most, most notably lead exposure. The biggest issue though with, with Flint, I keep going back to Flint because I, this is what's happening in Jackson is like we, we dealt with this before yeah. and we're still dealing with this, which is, I just don't understand what the issue is. But, um, the biggest issue that we saw is that when kids, when kids are exposed to these really high levels of lead and actually, with kids, they can be exposed to a lot lower levels than adults, but they manifest the most severe issues with it because they're kids. They're still developing. They're still growing. So when you have all this lead exposure to a you know currently developing body, that's where we see a lot of the neurological deficits that come through. So like our host uh, graciously also um, admitted or had talked about you know, you can see lots of intellectual disability in these kids. And that is not something that goes away like that. These effects can be irreversible. And that's what that's why this is such a huge issue. And that by generations in these cities, if they have those exposures, they're going to be dealing with not for the next week, not for the next month. They're going to be dealing with this for the rest of their lives. So this is like a permanent. It can be permanent Okay. on the amount of exposed that you're getting. If it's a large enough, then yes, these these effects can be considered irreversible and that's something you're going to be dealing with forever. And what is considered a large enough exposure, Dr. No-No? Is this something that can happen over the course of a week? Is this something people should be um, concerned about in, you know, could, are we going to see potentially a spike in uh, people who later on have um, issues caused by lead exposure that happened during the course of a week in uh, Jackson, Mississippi? Is that a possibility or is that kind of far-fetched? I mean, you know, the so the EPA will typically set the limits on like what would be considered a safe exposure. And given this, I'm absolutely certain that they are testing the water for whatever levels are are um, uh, are are unsafe. So, you know, just as a, a general picture. So what the EPA sets as a limit for safe exposure, like, you know, in your water supply is what we call 15 parts per billion. Okay. So, so just as an example, what, when they tested the water in Flint, they found that the levels actually exceeded 104 parts per billion, which, Jesus. you know, 15, 104 and the span and these people, they didn't actually pick up on this until the following year when people were saying that, oh, this, you know, the water tastes funny. You know, why is my kid so irritable? Where are these headaches coming from? Why do I have belly pain? Why am I so constipated all the time? And this was a year a year of exposure dealing with this. So, um, so again, like it, it all depends on the level that you're exposed to over the duration. And that's usually what we're looking for when we, when you get that heavy metal exposure. Okay. So it's like an accumulation thing. Yes. So it's not necessarily like, um, depending on how leaded the water is or could be in Jackson, Mississippi, then we could have serious issues going over time. But, um, again, it depends on how many parts per billion, Yes. Are in that. Okay. Right. <sighs> it's a lot. It's America, baby. It's America. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. I think what's crazy to me when I, when we talk about like privatization things, and I think, you know, after this, let's take some calls. And if you wouldn't mind, Dr. Nono, taking some calls and potentially uh, answering some questions from of the lovely public. Uh of course. You're probably going to get people who don't have health care who are like, yo, my foot hurts. Like, like you know, because right. it's the same country. I mean, we're living in this place where this stuff is acceptable. I mean, look, here's here's what's crazy. The the billion dollars 
to potentially solve this issue, to create a new water treatment plant. At least that's the number that's been flowing around out there. Not only do they already have it in the accounts, but we're we're living in a country that has just spent I don't know, what did we what was the last amount of money we sent to Ukraine? Was it 33 or 56 billion for again? And look, yeah, no one should have to get invaded. No one should have to um, be going through that. But when you have American cities where the actual citizens of that country are growing up with intellectual disabilities because the water treatment in their cities, uh, when you have cities that have been talking about for years that they need updated infrastructure to treat their water, to make their communities uh, healthy. And we're talking about, you know, an entire city, every business, every person in that city depends on this water treatment. Uh, there's no one that has a, uh, their own sort of water treatment uh, facility, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts to look, it starts to be a little unjustifiable in, in my book that you have, you have these American cities that are just going un, uh, I, I almost said unloved, but that's kind of what it is. Exactly. They're just ignored. They're completely ignored. And their people are completely ignored. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, it's not a matter of we don't have the resources. And what I worry about is whenever you hear people talk about privatization of resources, well, let's go back to Pakistan for a bit because Pakistan is dealing with, 100-year floods, again, 33 million people displaced. There are civilization, parts of like civilizations and archaeological sites in and around Pakistan that are being affected by these monsoon rains and these um, um, the flooding that's happening in, I think, the Indo River and uh, other places uh, that are just being wiped out after standing for 5,000 years. You know, you have walls collapsing in places. I know no one... Obviously, the people are more important than the walls, but you're literally wiping out human civilizations, right? There, I think there was 33 million people. CNN was reporting some something like 33 million people as a result of the floods in Pakistan are homeless. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Pakistan, by accounts of multiple uh, climate experts, since 1959, uh, well... But multiple climate experts say that, why is Pakistan going through these historic floods right now? They're saying, well, the glaciers are melting and uh, they're going through historic heat waves and it's attributable to climate change. And we know that climate change is fundamentally or or primarily perpetrated by uh, the United States and China and then for-profit entities, you know, the oil industry, these, these people who have known about climate change and the effects on humanity for so long, but have done nothing about it. And and here's the thing. Pakistan, since 1959, has only emitted about 0.4% of the heat-trapping carbon dioxide. So here's a whole country who is getting all the shit, all the effects of these private corporations that have been enriching themselves for decades, it's having all the ill effects to a country that only emitted 0.4% of the carbon dioxide. Meanwhile, the, um, the United States is 21.5% mm. of global emissions, 21.5%. Get that. Mm. And then China is 16.4%. China's got damn near, China's got like a billion people, dog. <laughs> How the hell are we emitting 
more than China. And and it's look this these things. So when I when I hear about privatization, I don't trust it at all because the fact that we have the flood in the first place is caused in large part by privatization and private entities. Um, so how the hell are they supposed to fix the problem that they caused? And why should they? Why should they get some kind of monetary reward for fixing a problem that they caused? And when you see the way that they handled the water and uh, the water crisis in, in Flint, Michigan, I, I think that's the wrong road. Do you have a diagnosis for privatization, Doctor No No? Do you have? A, do you have a? In your medical opinion, do you think privatizing this water water source in, in Jackson, Mississippi, would be the right move? I think that is a terrible move, and I would call that diagnosis stupidity. Okay. So, yeah. I, I think I, I do agree that. You know, when you set something up for privatization, there at the end of at the end of the line, it's going to be all about profit. So, you know, with the same thing that we saw with Flint, the reason why they switched from Detroit's water supply to Flint's water supply was to save a couple extra million dollars over the course of a couple of years. So, once they did that, and now we're dealing, we're still dealing with this crisis, and this happened back in. Sorry, I I think they started to make that change in 2014. Um, now fast forward to 2022, we're still dealing with this shit and we're dealing with the long lasting impact of it. And I think Flint is over, I know the officials are, I know a couple of them are actually going to trial. Um, I know a couple have been, um, you, Mr. Lawyer, you probably know like the, the direct charges that they have levied against them, but yeah, the direct charges are being fucking inhumane dicks. <laughs> That's the direct charge. The direct, and, and the direct sentence is "fuck these guys." Yeah, pretty That's much. That's the entirety of it. Pretty but, much. I mean, it, it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's shitty. I I really, I really don't think that's the right route to go at all. Yeah. Because you're gonna you're gonna at the end of the day they're gonna they're just gonna make a quick buck, and when they did that, they affected the lives of generations of people to come after that. So, I I know there's a better way to do that and privatization is not that that alternative. So. That's a way better diagnosis than I was expecting. I was just kind of being cheeky to <laughs> to ask you that, but I should have known asking a smart person a smart question and getting a, <laughs> a thoughtful and nuanced answer. Dr. No no, thank you so much for uh for joining us today. Of course. Uh, anytime. Fitting us into your busy schedule. Uh I know you have a lot of patients to see, <laughs> um, and some of them might be coming on. Would you be willing to around for a bit? Uh, usually, we open up the show, take some calls, uh, chop it up with some some regulars who are here. Who I see you down there. What up? What up? What up, John? Hey. What up, Allison? I see you all. All right, all right. But, um, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, we'd love um, we'd love it if, if anyone wants to call in. And I think we have uh, yeah, we have our first caller here too, William. Okay. Um, Dude, how's the sound? Let's let's make sure whenever we call in, we're doing like a really, uh, really interesting setup here, folks. So give us give us some time. Let's see if this will actually work. But let's go ahead and take our first caller, uh, William. Go ahead and unmute yourself and welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. How you doing, everybody? Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you, uh, Doctor No No. Can you hear Will, William? Okay, oh, let me hold on. Yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, so I can hear you. I think uh, Dr. Nono's got to connect her Bluetooth to some iPod or AirPods. Or AirPods. Or AirPods. Ooh, Ooh, that's going right to your phone. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, give give us like five seconds. Actually, you know, I might be able to. 
Let me see this real quick, Dr. No. Let me see if this will work. But you're gonna have to hear me too whenever we're talking. Okay. I got it. Oh, you got, got it? it? Okay, so can you can you hear? Mm-hmm. All right, William, you still there? I am here. Excellent. Let's go All at right. it. Go. Good. Well, first, let me um, comment on the pollution issue real quick. Um, keep in mind too that China's emissions of carbon dioxide, monoxide, and not you know. Uh, methane, nitrous oxide is a lot of that has to do with manufacturing for products that are sold here. And right. In other words, we outsource with NAFTA, you know, Beijing, Asian, and TPP our jobs, five million manufacturing jobs. Time, Tom, mm, I think in like 10 years ago that was accounted for by Tom Brokaw. I don't know what the numbers are today. Do you follow mm. me? I'm just going back on that record. I do, I do, I do. And so when we account for that, it's not, I mean, we, we are 4.3% of the world's population approximately, and we, pursue, we consume about 25% of the world's resources, right? So right. when you factor in that they're producing stuff that our American companies outsource there to take use of uh, advantage of the labor pool and not without labor rights, do you follow me? And environmental rights, and then it's shipped back here. That's six, we, technically one would easily argue that yeah. we carry more of the burden than we're. Yeah, it's almost it's almost you know like we're like a large part of the um, because a lot of that production that's done in China too, a lot of it would be mm-hmm. potentially for unnecessary stuff or stuff that is you know like uh, your point is well taken that a lot of that manufacturing that we are doing in China to ship stuff back to America so that America can have like, you know, dumb shit uh, falls on us too. So some of that emissions from China, maybe we should take responsibility for that as well. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, I think, I don't know what the audience thinks, but I would, I would make that case. Um, the other thing, the design obsolescence, you know, like, yeah. I grew up, when I was a kid, my mother had a refrigerator downstairs that was so old that it had the rounded corners, you know what I mean? Big, thick door, mm-hmm. rounded corners. I grew up yes, with sir. that. I went off to college. I came back. It was still in the basement working. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's kicking <laughs> ass. You know. Oh, it's, it's like... Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's like the, uh, you know, the KitchenAids, right? Like, everyone's got a story. If you have a KitchenAid or something like that, or someone... If you ever see someone with a KitchenAid, I mean, they're kind of trendy right now, but people have their grandmas and great grandmas and grandparents KitchenAids that have lasted forever. Um, And a lot of old equipment like that used to be manufactured specifically with longevity in mind. And planned obsolescence, as you say, uh, is a new sort of sort of capitalist, uh, you know, idea or, or, or philosophy where you make things made to break so that over time <laughs> you end up making more money because you're forcing people to have to buy another refrigerator. You're forcing people to have to buy another phone. You're forcing people Absolutely. to have to one more buy more stuff. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the marketing one more aspect, and then I'll get to the health issue because I got something I think I can contribute to that. And the sure. water contamination, personal experience I had with the parasite uh, intestinal. But getting back to 
okay, my father had a bicycle shop and we had 10 speed bikes, right? And you yeah. know, then of course, mountain biking came out before the touring bikes went to 15 speeds. And then you had the rear cluster expand to where you now you had from five to seven to eight to nine gears in the back and you got a triple up front. Well, next thing you know, you're topping out of, I forget, cause I got out of the bike industry decades ago, but you're, you know, 28 speeds, whatever. Right, you know, in, right. in other words, and most people be very honest with you, didn't ride in a way where they were competitive mountain cyclists and didn't right. need that. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they had to have, you know, the front shocks, you know, got to buy a new product. It's, gee, this one's got more speeds or a razor blade that, you know, it's got more edges, you know, <laughs> the three blades, right. the five blades. See what I'm getting at? The, 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 the uh, marketing to, pr to create a sense of um, need for a product. And now to bring it back to home, the high-end mountain bikes have 12 gears. <laughs> we're right back, baby. Up front. Yeah. We're, we're going yeah. backwards. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny because here in Chicago, you know, everyone, everyone's got a single speed, you know, just a one speed bike, road bike. And everyone's riding that, you know, every once in a while you see one with gears, but you start to realize that, you know, who the hell needs 28 speeds? I mean, you're pedaling, like you're just fucking pedal, dude. Like I just do not get the whole you're completely right. Unless you're a competitive mountain biker, you shouldn't need all of those speeds, but it becomes a part of, you know, why it becomes a, a part of clout, I guess, to, to change your 15 speed bike to a 28 speed or to a, you know, whatever speed. Yeah. And it, obviously it's, it's, it's a creating a, a perceived demand because we run a debt economy and the modern monetary fund, we don't have the gold back dollar anymore. We got the, you know, petrodollar. We can get in all the economics of it and this fiat currency and blah, 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 and how it's going to crash. But you right. know what I mean? So it's running scores. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah. getting to the health issue, one thing that I, I um, used to play ball here, I uh, had a little experience in the NFL and CFL and then with that's the coach in Europe. So I went over to England and I was coaching a bunch of ex-rugby players out of Portsmouth, the naval base, which was a hoot. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, we were practicing out on the green there in Portsmouth and, um, you know, people getting thirsty. And so I sent the guys yeah. in for a drink and I'm like, wow, I walk up to the bathhouse and there's a spigot really low, real close to the ground. I'm like, oh, I wonder why no one's drinking from this. No, there's no sign on it or anything. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know why. So they're all not you're trying to get water, you know, in the sinks and stuff. And I squat down and I'm on all fours drinking water. And a guy walks up to me, he's like, oh, oh, oh. Stop drinking that water. What do you mean? That's reclaimed water. We use it for irrigation. Oh, no, I didn't know anything about it. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, completely naive. Yeah, no worries. Well, let me tell you, within several, I don't remember how many days, because this is back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Boy, I, I think I lost 20, 25 pounds over several weeks. I mean, I could not leave the bedroom, bathroom. Jesus. Back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah. That and, sounds kind of like a, might be a coli or something. Does that track with you, Dr. Nono? Oh, yeah, you definitely had something. <laughs> yeah, you had something. I yeah, usually, yeah, usually when we say the amount of, um, of weight loss, uh, you know, the, you lose water weight when you have really severe diarrhea, which, you know, we see with, like, the viruses and the bacteria. Um, but when you get to that high levels, that's usually when we start testing for any sort of par parasites or uh, protozoas within your system that can cause that significant um, weight loss. So that that's a lot. I, I would 
Red flags would be flying everywhere if you came into me with that. So now let me tell you what happened. I was two forty five when I went over there, two hundred and forty five pounds. Within six years I was hundred and fifty two pounds. Yep. I had God, come back and went to the Leahy Clinic. I got a bunch of stool tests and we weren't getting anywhere. I ended up in Santa Barbara. And my sister was in the College of Oriental Medicine, so I thought, well, maybe she could help, you know. No one knew what was wrong with me, you know. So anyway, so so I ended up, there was a girl I knew who was an organic farmer who I got to know over time. And we were talking. She goes, Bill, you know, I've been, she did like, you know, like uh, we have doctors without borders. She did some farming thing out of Fairview Gardens where she went to some foreign country. I'm going to say it was a Russian block country. I don't know where. I'm thinking like something Stan. I can't remember so long ago. Like you know, and, <laughs> a lot and, of those. Uh, that does narrow it down a little bit, though. I know, I know. Wait, wait, wait. So, but anyway, she says to me, Bill, I was over there and I got sick like you. And right away they said, Oh, we think you have Jardier because it was common yeah. in the water there. And so she says, uh, I'm going to come to my Fairview Gardens and uh, tomorrow, and I'll give you some medical journals of Dr. Leo Gallen out of New York. It took her a year when she got back here to get a doctor to diagnose it. Now, Doc, you may know at the time, we're talking uh, early 90s. You know, it was uh, 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 under the stain. They would take a, you know, without talking disgusting, they take a stool sample, smear it, stain it, put it on the mm -hmm. microscope looking for it. But Jardia, as it turned out, as Dr. Leo Gallen explained to me, and then I had a doctor in California where I, went, where I was living at the time, but I was referred to Dr. Leo Gallen by Jean Marie. He said, the problem with Jardia is that it's got like a sucker head, kind of like a leech, and it doesn't pass. And it's hard. At that time, they didn't have DNA testing. Do you follow mm, me? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's before yeah, DNA. Yeah. yeah, so they're looking for the Jardia. But, and so I went back to my doctor and get this one. You can't believe this. I saw a doctor in California who was a great guy. I love this guy. In fact, I talked to him recently. His name, of all things, is Dr. Quacko. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. You can't make this up. You're like, I got to be bullshitting you all. No, it's true. You check it out. Santa Barbara, Dr. Quacko, right? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, nice. I, and he ended up good friends with Dr. Leo Gallen because I talked to Doc Quack. I call him Doc Quack, you know, recently. Yeah. He's got a great sense yeah. of humor about it, too. And, yeah. And uh, so anyway, we were talking. I, I talked to him periodically. He's like, too bad you're not out here. We're going to have dinner together. He became good friends with Leo. Because Dr. Quacko was working at a cottage hospital where they have beaver fever. Beaver fever in Santa Barbara. You go hiking in the hills. The water looks pure, right? Looks great. You might know this, Doc. People drink the water. They got in Santa Barbara. They call the beaver fever. They got charity. Yep, I've yep. heard of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, but before I, before this connection happened between Leo Gal and Dr. Quacko, at first Dr. Quacko was like, ah, I don't know what's going on here. Let's see, we have something where I, they used to do some type of, uh, they, I don't remember, duodenal type of thing here. Like, we're gonna put you in the hospital, put you out in some kind of duodenal sample because the trophocytes concentrate in the duodenum or something with this particular parasite we're looking for if it's there but it doesn't pass readily out of the stool, so we don't see it under the slide. You follow me? And yeah. then he looks at me and he goes, I know this sounds kind of rude, but this is what get, people can pick up. I, I dealt with this for six years and I lost 90 pounds, right? And so there's different strains. Like you can pick up a virulent one, you know what I mean, out there somewhere that can be really aggressive apparently. So, or, and you can have a combination of things. And sometimes the testing 
has trouble with it. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So I went yeah. through this experience, and at one point, they were thinking of putting me on something called cutopressin, best of my recollection, to stimulate my immune system. And then he goes, I want you to think about it. And and that's when Leo Gallo came, came through with more. And so I ended up metronidazole, but that that's flagile. And <laughs> the thing with that is, it, he goes, I can only put you on it. Best of my recollection, Doc, correct if I'm wrong, like 10-day to 14-day protocol. I can't remember because it's so toxic to the liver. Is that right? Something like that? Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, that's a side effect. But, you know, usually, yeah, usually that's that's a pro, that's a prolonged course for the flagell. But um, yeah. so when they tested you for the Giardia, you kind of lost me there. How did they, how did they finally oh, diagnose yeah. it? Because now we usually do... When you come into the hospital, you've had like, you know, chronic diarrhea symptoms and we'll, we'll actually send off what we call an ova and parasite stool culture. Yep. And that's usually we can diagnose it right off the bat um, that way. Yeah, but now you have probably some sensitivities in there and testing for DNA now, no? Yes. Yeah, we do. This was, yeah, I was born in like 89. So it's probably way before my time, actually. But yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Yeah. So they didn't have the DNA testing. So what he said to me was, you know something, you're 150-something pounds, you're weak. He said, let's do an empirical trial. And you know what that is. He put me on the medication. So let's see if you get better. You know, we got nothing to lose here. You know what I mean? Let's try the metronidazole. So I went on the first course, and I gained weight. I got up to 175 pounds, you know. And, okay. uh, but then I started to slide again, started losing weight again. And he goes, well, okay, think of it this way, Bill. He said, imagine if you left your garden go fallow for six years. The weeds would get really thick, you know what I mean? And, and per pervasive and they'd have deep roots. So he said, I'm gonna put you on the flagell one more time. That's the most I can do in a year. At least that's what he said at the time. And we'll see what happens. And we did. And then he said, I want you to see a naturopath. There's probably some herbal protocols that can complement this. You know, I said, okay. So I think it was black walnut. I'm trying to remember. There were different. Was that Dr. Tried. Quacko who said that? Yeah, he did. Or... He's a cool dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, totally... <laughs> he did. But you know what's funny? You, I, I, he was right. And yeah. so, but more recently, you know, with this whole COVID thing, just I want to share this. It may help people. And the doc may confirm. I was on PubMed, an open access medical journal with the National Institute of Health Library. And just for kicks, I said, gee, well, I wonder what the latest is about Giardia. And I was also later diagnosed with something called, in stool tests, that showed up later called Cryptosporidium, which <laughs> yeah. I understand is dimorphic, and they didn't really have a cure for it. Go ahead. So you had two parasites yeah. going together at once? Yes. I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That sounds like some serious beaver fever for yeah. real. Right. So that's why I'd lost so much weight, apparently. So the crypto, yeah. they didn't have a cure for at the time. And so they were like, well, look, we really, and it's called crypto because if you have HIV, it'll kill you. You see that's, what I mean? Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Very true. Me, I had a health, fairly healthy immune system, but what it caused was constant air bowel. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. I was never I was struggling with this. So anyway, so during this COVID thing, this went on for 30 years, right? Until recently, I called Dr. Quacko and I called him up. I said, hey, doc, I was on PubMed. And I said, you remember me? And we start talking. I mentioned Leo Gallo. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? And I said, you know, um, I'm reading on, on PubMed that uh, looks like ivermectin is effective now versus uh, Giardia and crypto. Yeah, well, ivermectin is an anti-parasitic, right? Yeah. So it's yeah, pretty well, yeah, so that would make sense. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's right on the PubMed 
uh, open access. All you got to do is put in PubMed and keywords, whatever you're yeah. looking for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. So, but that makes sense. I, but but uh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I, I just wanted to to remind people, you know, like you're hearing Bill talk about all of his medical problems that he's had from drinking bad water. <laughs> you know, yeah. imagine all of that happening to everyone in Jackson, Mississippi. Right. Like that is it's kind of terrifying. That that is terrifying because I there are only only so many Dr. Quackos in the world, and there can't be a Dr. Quacko for every single bill uh, who is going to be experiencing these kinds of symptoms from potentially drinking tainted water. But uh, yeah, Bill, go ahead and uh, yeah. So to bring it home, so so yeah. I'm talking to Dr. Quacko, and uh, I said, Doc, check this out. Check it. You know, I, I he had me email it to his uh, staff. Uh, secretary and they looked it over and he goes you know he calls me back we set up an appointment by phone he goes you're absolutely right about this it does it in fact the PubMed article uh, is ivermectin treating jarter and crypto because it's a common co-infection apparently or at least common enough for it to be uh, studied and sure enough ivermectin works for it so doc yeah. wrote a script for ivermectin I got it filled and I and I did it, it had no side effects you know what I mean yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I it's it has, you know, settled down my my stomach. I, I don't seem to have as much rumbling and gurgling. You know what I, mean? I, I when it's when it comes into a chronic phase like that with crypto, chances are I already cleared the, the, the majority by then with two rounds of metronidazole. You follow yeah. me? But the crypto yeah. was hanging on. And the thing is, there's also a sort of long term study for long term crypto with people with immunocompetent, you know, they're immunocompetent, like 20, 30 year study, where indeed it does cause long term IBS and joint discomfort. Of course, you're carrying a parasite that in your body that yeah. don't forget it's respirating and pooping. You know what I mean? To put it in simple terms, Doc would have another explanation for it. You know what I'm getting at? So you're yeah, dealing with all yeah. these toxins all the time. And yeah. so the reason I, I share the stories. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry, Bill. I'm, I'm trying to j just get to the get back to Jackson but yeah um but I I appreciate you calling in uh I really do and sharing about your experience too um but yeah well, please call back in again yeah dude just the moral is for those people in miss you know in Mississippi wherever when this happens ivermectin's on the World Health Organization drug of essential medicines right for parasites and it's generic it, and maybe, Doc, you can give me your advice on this. Wouldn't it be smart to prophylactically hand that out and say, look, this has got a very high safety protocol, everything I've, I've seen on it, uh, one of the safest drugs ever produced, over 4 billion prescriptions, and um, people are going to be picking stuff up. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. But um, yeah, go ahead. I get it. And and it's it's, you know, as far as ivermectin, it's always been effective against parasites. I don't think that's yeah, ever been a... That's ever been uh, in question. But, uh, Bill, thank you so much for calling in. I, I really appreciate your call. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Good night. Yeah, take it easy. Whew. All right, coming up next, Ja. What's up, baby? How you doing? <laughs> Not the exhale. Um, <laughs> what's going on, Ja? How you doing, man? What's, what's, what's happening? Oh, man, I'm just listening to this and um, mm -hmm. taking a little break from writing and Man, it's just this is so dark. Yeah. 
I just don't, I don't even know where to start. I, I don't have yeah. anything too substantive to add to this conversation just besides like my feelings. This is Yeah. Well, dark, yeah, that's man. valid. I um valid. I think about that clip of uh, Kamala Harris talking about war over water as if it was this inevitable thing that will happen, which on some level it totally is, but Yeah. I don't know, as if there aren't things that we could do. Like, I, I, it's, it's so weird when politicians in the most powerful, you know, government office kind of come out in, in these in these interviews and just say stuff like that. Like, right. Like, like privatization like, is on the table. Yeah, and just with a straight face, as if like I, I, I don't know. You pretty much outlined everything. By the way. Um, Dr. No-No, your voice is fabulous. I could listen oh. to you talk all day. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, that's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> no, for real. It's very soothing. It's uh, it's like It has like the sade effect, you know. Just the yeah. Effect. Maybe I should do some ASMR in the, as a side gig or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, voice acting is everything. ASMR yeah. with Dr. No-No. <laughs> Let me talk to you about the Mississippi water crisis. <laughs> oh while you fall asleep, <laughs> you like start tapping your nails on the. On oh the, my god, that drives me insane, actually. But <laughs> what the ASMR stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just like the little noises in the microphone, and everything. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, a little crinkly. Yeah. Eating some. Yeah, it's either that stuff works for you or it really doesn't. Yeah, it's it's very much a, a column A or column B. There's not very much <laughs> nuance in between the two, but. Definitely uh, seems that way. Yeah, I, I, I know this stuff is is dark. I mean, it's it's look, it's th these are the things about late stage capitalism which I'm I'm really fearful of, uh, and and you know it's it's pretty well known at this point for those of you who don't know, but you know Nestle for years has one been super evil, but two has been really trying to push the privatization of water. Oh, yeah. Of, of water sources. So basically, Nestle wants to fucking own, like, the Great Lakes, which is, you know, some dumb politician who gets in there and thinks that they can actually sell that or lease the rights to the water exclusively to Nestle for a while might do something like that. And it's... How the hell... Let someone from Nestle try to stop me from drinking out of Lake Michigan. Like, let him go ahead. Like, uh, let's see how that goes. But yeah, that's that the, is an interesting you know, concept. How would you actually enforce such a thing? What would oh, they actually mm -mm. do? I mean, because you already have situations where, I mean, okay, so this is weird. I don't even know if this is true, but there's a common trailhead to uh, Camelback Mountain down here in Phoenix that is being kind of there they kind of paved over it used to be a place where you could drive up kind of into a neighborhood and there's a trailhead there and you can park all along well you can't do that anymore you literally have one access point to getting onto any sort of mountain trailhead and it's really easy to privatize things by proxy in that sense do you know what i mean yeah that's the yeah, other way i could think of that working out very well, especially being enforceable. But that, yeah, that's a that's a great thing to think about. How would they, huh? I just think people would. I I think people have a limit, Ja. I really do. And uh -huh. I think, you know, I I talk about January six a lot because I'm jealous of it <laughs> because I, 
I wish there was a kind of leftist January 6th going on, but just better organized and, you know, successful and not just based on, you know, hanging Mike Pence or whatever the purpose of January 6th was. But it's... Well, and that's you, just the thing. The purpose of January 6th was a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, look, whenever we talk about revolutionary politics, and I've, I've said this before, I will say it again. Uh, one of the reasons why, look, the left, the conditions are what they are right now. Uh, this crisis happening in Jackson, Mississippi, the 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 effects of global warming that we're seeing from Pakistan. This is the world that we live in and people can intuitively look around them and know that something's wrong and something needs to be fixed. Uh, can they buy? Well, they can know that something's wrong. Yeah. But determining what the, the cause is, is where people who are, you know, storming the Capitol on January 6th and where demagogues or, you know, like, People like Trump become very, very dangerous because the idea is that, you know, there's a lot of people also by like my mother who's just like, oh, but it's the end times and the Bible says it's going to be like this. So here we go. Yeah, but they being goofy, like like one of the reasons like, look, I was, you know, I was raised Christian and I still consider myself a Christian, but like that shit is goofy and it has no place. And one of the things I do like seeing actually is, is. well, yeah, but look at who's in charge right now, Ja. You know, the if you start actually questioning or or looking at polls of people or you know population statistics for people who are younger, especially in America, most of them are are uh, atheist or agnostic and don't have a strong connection to a religion. I think over time, right now at least, that's probably a good thing because it's. That kind of mindset that like we can destroy the rest of the earth or we can totally do nothing and excuse this kind of earth destroying behavior because it's inevitable because the Bible tells me is so do nothing ass bullshit that it 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 ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. And that's I'm not I'm not about that. My thing is, look, even if it is inevitable, even if it was going to be inevitable, like, fight anyway. Fuck them. Sorry, Dr. No-No, I should stop saying the F word as much. Oh, my God. We sail like, we swear like sailors at work all the time. Just not in front of patients. So, yeah, fucking damn and shit all you want. That's fine. Okay, hell yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Well, then, fuck them. That's what I'll say. (laughs) All right? Because it's, it's, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to cover this story too is because these are opportunities to really educate people about the right your mom is or your you know i think it was your mom who says we're in the end times she's she's correct that we're in the end times we're we're at the end stages of capitalism we're not at the end stages of the apocalypse right we're not at the end stages But the, the intuition is correct that we are in the end times, and these are the effects of it. Look, we have the money. The, yeah. the thing is that this happened in the richest country in the world. It's happening multiple times in the richest country in the world, in multiple big urban areas, Flint, Michigan, Jackson, Mississippi, you know, um, Austin, Texas, and the rest of Texas where the, the, the pipes are freezing over, and they're not ready for it. Uh, look, these are 
And the cost of actually fixing the infrastructure here is minuscule compared to what we spend on the military. And when I say the military, not even our military. But by you know that you know that that is the like that is the thing that our economy is like propped up on is freaking war. Yeah, you know, so if there's no money in fixing things for human beings, there's no like. I, I'm sorry. Please continue. I actually I had something to, that I wanted to ask you about specifically um, okay. because I'm I'm writing this musical. Oh hell yeah! I love that. Uh, yeah, I'm writing a musical about corporate overreach and, and uh, corruption and government and um, the, the people that it affects most, which is usually, you know, uh, third world countries or um, indigenous populations and things like that. Um, yeah. Sing a song about that. Yeah. Uh, try 50 of them. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I'm writing I'm writing these parts for the CEO and some shareholders and the board members of this corporation that's causing all this mayhem globally. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to humanize them and I'm trying to really truly understand their motivations. And what are the, what is it about our incentive structure that even causes them to leave behind their, I'm not going to say moral at this point, cause I'm going to say common sense, the common sense that, if I'm an Exxon executive, I know that with every passing day, the amount of um, of carbon that we're dumping into the air is is shaving off the lifespans of people who are alive today, right? Sure. Significantly, um, and, and so it's not a like what how how is it possible? And I know that there's this explanation that we often throw out there that these people are sociopaths, and sure. Right, I get that, but like, there's got to be something more going on. Sure. So, what do you think about that, Pi? There's a couple of things here, John. I mean, that's such a profound question. Uh, it really is to try to understand the. the and and look, I don't want to. Uh, by your audio is gotten oh, a little funny. Let me. Let me check. Is it better now? Is it better? Are we good? Uh, a little bit. Just a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, you're like not as loud. And okay. I don't know what's going on. Is that? It's the end times, by That's what it's all about. Yeah, I've been censored. Um, give me one second. <laughs> sure. Okay, how, how sad? Is that better? Uh, it's about the same, but I mean, I can I can hear oh, you okay oh, wow. now. Before it was a little worse. Yeah, about the same. I don't know. Is anybody else? Um, Is anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, it's the same. Okay, how does this sound for everybody? Is that better? Worse? It's almost like you sound like you've just gotten on speakerphone, or you're like just a little more distant. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. But I wonder if I switched microphones. But you know, call and be bugging all day. Okay, can what about now? Is this better or no? Same. Fuck. It's okay, bye. I can I, I can hear you. Okay, let me see. 
Still same, 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 same? Mm-hmm. Fuck. That sucks ass. Okay. Um, let me see. Volume for me, please. You sounded like you were swapping between microphones. Yeah, it does sound like I'm swapping between microphones, but it's still the same right now. Actually, I'm going to test something real quick. I'm going to hit the mute button, and if you can still hear me, then I'm on my phone somehow. So give me a second. All right. Can you still hear me? Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I'm on my phone now. So somehow my phone stopped stopped using my my Bluetooth microphone. Here. Here's what we're going to do. It's it's Kamala. All right, here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, so I'm going to actually, okay, if you give me a second job, just entertain the people. Wait, what? There's no speakers. Okay, he's obviously doing this on purpose, y'all. I, I didn't even know that was possible here in this app. I have the talking stick. Who's in this room right now? Sonia. Oh, mom's in here. What's up, Lorraine? July's in here. Have I talked to Justin? I know Charlie. 